Alright, well, as Pastor says, I've got time, so let's get started. Uh, Dude, would you open us up in a word of prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening, thank you for this day, and thank you for the word that you gave us through John this morning. Ask that you're with Brett, guide and direct, give him the words to teach us more about your word. Lord, we just want you to be with Dana and Sandy as they're traveling. Keep them from harm's way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So we've got a couple guests this evening. Would you like to introduce yourselves to, to us all? I'm Joseph, and uh, this is Sharon. We're from Cottonwood. Welcome. We're happy to have you here. So, so this evening we're going to get started in uh, Galatians uh, 5, verses 16 to 21. And I'm going to do my best to cover everything we covered last year in this study up through um, the first part of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. But before we get to that part, I'd like to talk about um, the work of the flesh, because I think that, that Paul is, is very poignant in pointing out kind of two sides to things here. And I think it's always important that we look at the contrast of things. Um, as I've heard it said many times, half of knowing what something is, is knowing what it isn't. And I think before we get into the fruit of the Spirit, we should know, you know, what uh, the work of the flesh looks like, because um, that's the, the warning that's going on through this. So um, if we look at Galatians five sixteen to 21, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's quite a list, I would say. Pretty thorough. Pretty thorough, yep. So, in verses 16 to 17, Paul is pointing out the incompatibility between the flesh and the spirit. They are contrary to one another. When the unregenerate man meets the regenerated man, there is conflict. I think every believer experiences this, this struggle. For some, this struggle is with addictions and physical ailments. For others, it is with thoughts and emotions. And for others, it is a combination of all of these things. But for all of us, it is the struggle with the lust of the flesh or sin. The Bible says this struggle goes on throughout our earthly lives. But the flesh is subdued as we mature as believers in Christ and yield our lives to the will of God by listening to the Holy Spirit living inside of us. These verses also show the power of both the flesh and the spirit. And it is through this maturing process that the fruit of the Spirit is made manifest in the believer. You see, we are all going to be tempted in our earthly lives. Jesus was tempted by the devil. 
In Luke 4, verses 1 to 4, the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I recently heard an illustration where a white dog represents the spirit and a, and a black dog represents the flesh. If you fed just the white dog and you didn't feed the black dog, which dog do you suppose would win, would win when they got into a fight? The word of God is our food. It is our sustenance. We need to ingest it daily to be able to resist the temptations of the world. This shows the importance of reading our Bible every day and spending time with God every day. In 1 John 2.16, the Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Do you guys have any comments so far? Any questions? Okay, keep going. There's a hymn called, uh, or titled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In the last stanza, it says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This was written, or excuse me, this was rewritten and published in many hymn books to say, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to love the God I serve. So which is it? Prone to love the God I, pro, or excuse me, prone to leave the God I love, or prone to love the God I serve. Now, what do you guys think? First one. First one. Any other comments? What do you think? <laughs> I think it's both, depending on both. where we're at. I think it's both, depending yeah. on where we're at. I think it should I be. I thought I'd seen a false yeah. look on your face. I think it should be. You know, ideally, it would be. Uh, one versus the other, but I think it ends up being both um, because of our flesh, the struggle that we have. So I know that when my focus shifts towards the world and away from God, I am prone to leave the God I love. But when I realize that this is happening, I change my focus toward God. I praise him in all things, and then I am prone to love the God I serve. This shows the struggle between the old man versus the new man inside of me, and I think that every born-again believer experiences this as well. As born-again believers, we are made new in Christ. I'm sorry? Are you going to read the whole thing to us? Um, it's my notes on things. Okay. Yeah. If you want to interject in the process, please let me know. Okay. Um, as born-again believers, we are made new in Christ. At the beginning of our walk, we are as children, and there is a battle between the old man and the new man. As we grow in spirit, we are made stronger in the spirit. This process can take many different paths to achieve, and God knows which is best for each of us. Would somebody like to read verse 18? What chapter? Uh, Galatians 5, verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Just 18? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Holy Spirit of God guides and directs us to a higher plane. 
This plane is far above the law and not under it. But this is not something that we are never tempted with again. As long as we are living within our earthly flesh, we will have an ongoing battle to die to our flesh daily. We see many examples of this in the Bible. And I think most born-again believers can recall times in our lives when we have wrestled with the old man versus the new man and experienced the result of yielding to the new man because of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at some verses that prove that out. Let's take a look at John 16, verse 13. Somebody would like to read that for us. And if somebody would also uh, grab Acts 10, 19 to 20. We'll start with those two. So John 16, verse 13. Okay. Whenever you're ready. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truths he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come yeah so he's guiding us into all truth right Mm -hmm. and then uh, has anybody got acts 10 verses 19 and 20 Got it. Whoever's got it. Nineteen and twenty. Yes, sir. While Peter thought on vision, the Spirit said unto him, "Behold, three men seek thee, and therefore get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them." Yep. So there, the Spirit is guiding the movements of the believer. Let's take a look at Acts thirteen, verse twelve, or excuse me, verse two, thirteen, verse two. Whoever's got that and like to read it, you're welcome to start. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, from the work whereunto I have called them. Yeah. So here we see the Holy Spirit directing in the selection of Christian leadership. Okay. And then Acts 16, verse 6. Whenever you're ready, anybody got it? Now when they had gone throughout, what's that word? Phrygia, Phrygia, uh-huh. and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Right. So there we've got uh, the Holy Ghost um, helping to choose the field of operation, and then Romans eight verse fourteen. Let's take a look at that.
Anybody got that? For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Yep. So here we see the obedience to Christ. So the Spirit is moving there as well. So let's read verses 19 to 21 in Galatians. Just recover that one more time. And then we'll get into how these play out, the works of the flesh. Galatians, uh, Galatians 5. 5, mm-hmm. 19. 19 to 21. Okay. So just want to recover those one more time. So... Um, it's a very nasty list. I know. <laughs> Would you like me to read it? Yeah. Yes, okay. please do. <laughs> now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we look at these, we can kind of break these down into four categories. We have sensual sins, which would include adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Is everybody clear on what those words mean? Um, so, all right, so I'll go over it. Adultery, it, that is, in many cases, we find that is actually omitted, omitted from modern translations, but it is included in uh, the King James Version. Fornication, which includes prostitution. Uncleanness is impurity and sexual sins, including pornography. Lasciviousness is brutality and sadism. And we see this abounding today. The second category in this list is religious sins, which would be idolatry, like the worship of of idols, which includes money and everything that takes the place of God. Witchcraft, also known as pharmakia, which is drugs, and drugs are used in all heathen religions. Hatred, otherwise known as enmity. Variances is also looked at as strife, contentions, and quarrels. What was that? Strife, contentions, and quarrels. And that would be variances. The third category is social sins. Which you have emulations, which is like rivalries and jealousy. Wrath, or a hot temper. Strife would be factions and cliques that can hurt the cause of Christ. Seditions, or divisions. Heresies, like parties or sects. Envyings, which is basically like jealousy as well, I think. Murders. Um, we do find murders is omitted from most modern translations as well. The fourth category is personal sins, which is drunkenness and revelings. Revelings is like gluttony and wantonness. So the end of verse 21 says, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we see the point that Paul is driving at, inheriting the kingdom of God. What does this mean? What do you guys think it means? 
to inherit the kingdom of God. And I think what he's saying in that last of that verse is if this is your lifestyle, he's not saying that uh, if you are tempted. I was reading from Dr. Spurgeon this mm-hmm. week and uh, Charles Spurgeon, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, remember, and it really is true, that when we are tempted, that's from Satan. That's not from God. Right. God does not tempt. Yes, right. But when we are tested, God uses testing to draw us into more maturity with Him and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us away from all those things. Right. And uh, He went on to say, don't feel. Uh, bad about being tempted Satan's gonna try that's a paraphrase of mine but God will give us what we need through the Holy Spirit if we were never tempted would we ever mature in this life right you know it was just uh, it fits right in with those words but I think in 21 he means if you make this your lifestyle, you are not part of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, sorry. No, I, I think it's good. It's great. People <laughs> went on and on, but uh, Spurgeon just hit it. You know, yep. don't think any temptations come. Well, and we see that in Job God. too, right? I mean, you know, that was a, a trial, if you will, and the conversation between. Uh, Satan and God and God allowing that to happen in kind of two phases Mm -hmm. Um, and all that went went down in that situation that was certainly more than I think most people could handle Um, when we look around the world today you know we get pretty flustered over pretty simple things in comparison in Job yeah yeah for sure and in the verse we read earlier where um, you know just how brazen Satan is right. He tempts Jesus. I mean, you you got to have some kind of gumption to be willing to do that, you know. Um, and it wasn't like he didn't know who he was. He knew who he was, yeah, you know. That's right. So if he's not afraid to tempt him, why would he be afraid to tempt us? Exactly. You know. Um, but I think in today's world, we see a lot of people that are they're kind of flippant, if you will. And things, and they think, you know, I'm going to attack the devil. I'm going to run at the devil. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, all right, well, you know, there might be a little more ground you need to cover before you go headlong into that. Um, so that, that was kind of my thought on it as we were going through this as well, um, pre- preparing for the study. So, any other comments? Well, we were born into a spiritual warfare, like it or not. We just here we are in the middle of it. Yep. And I feel, as she said, when we when we succeed in resisting temptation, we're building up our spiritual muscles, yep. and we're, we're doing our push-ups so we can stand up against the enemy. Mm-hmm. And looking at this this horrendous list of the works of the flesh, <laughs> you know, um, and you talk about the white dog and the and the black dog. But as we're going through this list, I can't help but notice. That modern entertainment, I feel like each show of movies trying to top the other with how many of these they can put on a screen in front of folks. <laughs> That's true. And I feel like the amount of time that one spends 
feeding that dog and looking at that compared to where we are here, you know, is really going to have a say on, on our walk with the Lord. So if I want news, I'm not going to turn on the screen. I'm going to go to the good news, honestly. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And that backs right into the whole idea that the Word of God is our sustenance, right? If we're, if we're feeding worldly things through the eye gate, the ear gate, you know, as far as where things are coming into us, you know, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We're vexing the Holy Spirit by letting these things come in. Um, and I agree. In our home, we have... You know, I don't even know how long ago it was. We turned off the news. We just, you know, it's not that I don't know what's going on, um, but you, you, it doesn't take but a minute or two yeah. to look around and see what's going on in the world and then back into the Word of God I go um, and work and things of that nature. But I don't spend the time that I used to, and I think that I, I'm much better off for it, you know, much more peace in my life for it. Um, I'm more focused on godly things than worldly things you know because the bible says that god's in charge of everything anyway so he either is or he isn't either the word of god is true or it isn't if he's in charge of everything and including the politicians that are in charge of us and all that's going on then who are we to war against that that's not a good idea i think to pick a fight with god um it, you know, as I've read through the Bible, I don't see that coming out well for those that chose to do that. Uh, but I don't think it means you should not know anything that's going on and live in ignorance of things. At the same time, I think there's a balance to strike with that. But you have to keep things in a proper perspective. Um, and that's that's how we choose to do things in our home. Any other comments on that? Hmm? Okay. When you asked how, what it meant they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, ma'am. The kingdom of God, our eternal rest, is, is eternity. But even now we can enjoy God's peace and joy, which is is already inheriting the kingdom. Right, because that's that's the Holy Spirit indwelling within yeah. us, and that's what we get. That's the inheritance and, that we get. And, you're, not, and you're just refusing that when you... When you when you engage in these behaviors routinely, right, or regularly, yeah, because they're they're contradictions yeah. to one another, mm-hmm. and we're going to get into a little bit of conversation about that. But they don't go together. I mean, just think of oil and water, if you will. I mean, they they're they they just don't they don't they can't live in the same place, the same space, if you will. The dog, white dog, black dog, are going to share a kennel. <laughs> no, that's not going to go well. <laughs> They might for a short period, but after that, you're probably digging a hole. <laughs> so, uh, any other comments? Okay. So, um, generally, the only people that can inherit a, a kingdom are those that are heirs to the kingdom. So, how are we made to be heirs? Right? If you're going to inherit something, somehow that happens through you being related to someone. Be born again, I think. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to look at our salvation and who we are in Christ as the moment that we accepted him, surrendered to him. 
our eternity began. He is ever with us all the way. And, I mean, that's that's enough for shouting. Absolutely. You know, for sure. And <laughs> staying away from <coughs> these things yep. that I don't even like to say, read. <laughs> but... Um, that's when that's when it began for us. Yep. And yeah. We will live it out, and one day <coughs> it'll be great. Well, it already is if we accept it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? That's the love, joy, peace. The first three parts, uh, if you will, of the fruit. You know, we get all of that yeah. in that moment, and it grows over time, and it just becomes more and more to where it actually comes out of us. And, and that's the thing. Um, but there is such a thing as a carnal Christian, right? So you can, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the death, burial, and resurrection. And the Bible says at that point you're saved. Mm-hmm. And then you can go right back into the world. Mm-hmm. And you can be doing the things that this list talks about. Paul isn't talking to unsaved people. He's talking to the church in Galatia. These are these are saved people, and he's showing two sides of a Christian: carnal and spiritual. And this list is pointing. He's pointing this list directly at carnal Christians, and he's he's going to contrast that with what a spiritual Christian should look like. So, do we see Christians today that? fit the earmarks of this list we do we do and pastor says quite often you can't if someone says they're saved you have to take them at face value even though you may look at their lifestyle and say well that doesn't match anything that quote unquote shows to be saved right but the unseen hand the spiritual circumcision that we have received as being saved the requisite of that isn't necessarily an outward expression of things in order to prove you're saved, because that would be a work at that point. So it's 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 something that when I was going through this study, pretty much hit me square between the eyes. The idea of a carnal Christian versus a spiritual Christian. And the fact that Paul isn't talking to two separate groups of people in this in this passage. He's speaking to a church in Galatia that are saved people. But there's something going on in this group of people, whether it's those living a carnal lifestyle versus those living a spiritual lifestyle. And he's wanting to put them on the right road, if you will, and point them in the right direction so they can have their inheritance through, through things. But that means they have to be willing to die, let their flesh die, and come out of the world not stay in the world. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty heavy stuff because I think we're all guilty of these things on some levels. It is such a warning from him because these are the very things that cause division where? In the church. Absolutely, yeah. In the church. For sure, yeah. And that concerned Paul. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's a big deal. So let's take a look at uh, Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. Somebody would like to read that. If you want to raise your hand, if, who would like to read it? We'll just land it there. Anybody? 
Uh, Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. And I've got two other scripture verses to hand out as well. So if somebody wants to grab that, let me know who's got it. You've got it? Okay. And then somebody grab Galatians 3, 28 and 29. Whoever wants to grab that, just raise your hand and we'll just read off these three here in a row. Got that for us, Devin? Yeah, okay, three, thank you. That's 28, 29. Yep, and then Titus 3, verses 5 to 7. If somebody would grab that as well. 5 through 7? Yep, Titus 3, verses 5 to 7. Anybody got that? I can get it. Okay, dude, we'll give that to you. All right, so we'll get started with... Um, let us know when you're there, dude. Got to find you. Where is it? Page 337. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Let's see if that lines up. Yeah, it's first John in mine, sorry. You got it, dude? No, not yet. Where is he? I thought, Kathy. Is that where we're starting? No, we're going to start with Romans eight fourteen to seventeen. Okay. Okay, and then we're going to do Galatians. Titus. Yeah, for you it's Titus three verses five and seven. Where is he in relation to? It's not in relation to the other guys. Those phones—they're amazingly fast. I got it. You got it. All right. So let's let's do Romans eight verses fourteen to seventeen first, if you would please. Thank you. Romans eight verses fourteen to seventeen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Yeah, what a wonderful thing to be joint heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. Right? So Galatians three twenty-eight to 29. Devin? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Yep. Amen. And then do Titus 3, verses 5 to 7, please. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. Nice. Yep. So Paul is also reminding them in the closing of verse 21 that, that this information about the works of the flesh is not new. 
In fact, he is reminding them, reminding them that he has told them this before. And you can see this in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11. If we want to look at that, we can. Otherwise, we can move along. Whatever you guys would like to do. Want to take a look at it? Yeah. I hear pages turning. Let's do it. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11. We probably don't have this in the current modern version. What it condemns. What do you mean? 1 Corinthians 9 to 11? 6, 9. Yeah, you want to read that for us? Do you not know that the unrighteous unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not perish or have any share in the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, misled, neither the impure and immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, that's why I said you probably don't have the new ones, nor cheats, swindlers, and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed repellers and slanderers, nor extortioners and robbers, will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And such some of you were once, but you were washed clean, purified by a complete atonement for sin, and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed, and you were justified, pronounced righteous by trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of our God. Yeah. A little modern, modern vernacular, as it were, but yeah, it, it drives the point, right? I mean, for I sure. Just think of the, a lot of people that wouldn't accept that part about homosexuality. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing because I was actually a little bit of a side note here. That, since you bring it up, though, um, there it, in the in the temple, they there were. Um, I can grab my phone real quick so I get this correct. I come across these things and I'm just stunned sometimes of these things. Um, okay, so this is, I'll just give you an example. Um, 1 Kings 15, uh, verse 12. We don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll read it to you. The King James Version says, And he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. The NIV version says, He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. Sodomites versus male shrine prostitutes. These are are the changes in the words. Sodomites is homosexuality. Male shrine prostitutes, you can preach against male shrine prostitutes all day long, and nobody's going to get offended. But if you preach against sodomy, that's homosexuality, you're going to offend people today. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that they change that word? Mm -hmm. Sodomite King James, male shrine prostitutes in the NIV. These little nuances. I've got... Whole bunch of them in here like that, but since you brought that up, it amplifies his homosexuality. It does, yep. So that's interesting that, that they've got that in there. So this is an old one. Maybe it's changed. <laughs> well, and I'm just looking at the NIV. This app will let me do parallels. 
options, but I can only look at one and the other at the same time. I can't look at multiples. Um, but I generally look at the NIV because most modern translations springboard off of the NIV. They use that as their as their foundational text that they then create new versions from. So I tend to look at the NIV to see what people are looking at while they're creating Which new versions. Which was first Kings? Uh, it's a good test for the version. Uh, first Kings 15, and it's verse 12. Okay. And I've I've got some other ones. If you want to talk to me afterwards, we can <clears throat> we can show you some other ones that are like that as well. But. Um, it's an interesting thing in today's world, right, where we see them watering these words down, trying to soften things, and and basically people, I mean, who wouldn't want male shrine prostitutes out of, out of or, or temple prostitutes out? I mean, they would, right? I mean, that's like, a, of course, it's a no-brainer. But sodomites in today's world, boy, that's going to offend a lot of people. And it's interesting they pull that out. So, little sidebar. Sorry for the rabbit trail, but um, thought I'd point that out. Um, so, a believer's inheritance is the kingdom of God. Now, I happen to hold with the idea that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom and refers primarily to believers in the church age. As believers in the church age, we have been put into this spiritual kingdom by our new birth. We look at um, Colossians 1, verses 12 to 13. The Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. There's others that believe that the kingdom of God is the same as the kingdom of heaven. And you will see this in more modern translations as well, where they... They basically pick one or the other over the other, whereas in the King James you'll see a, a division between these two phrases. Um, but I'll save this discussion for a later time. So let's continue by taking a look at some scripture about the kingdom of God. Who would like to grab Romans 14, verse 17? Anybody want to grab that? Okay, Devin's going to... Yeah. And then, Anne, would you would you uh, grab Luke 17, 21, please? Thank you. And, dude, would you grab 1 Corinthians 15, 50? And I've got two more. Any takers? I'll take one. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. And I've got one more. Anybody? I can do it. Okay, thank you. Ephesians six twelve. So once again, we're going to look at some scripture that talk about uh, the kingdom of God in these scriptures. Okay. You guys, everybody, ready? Let me go. Yeah. So Romans fourteen seventeen. Four, I thought it was fifteen seventeen. No, fourteen. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just back one. Okay, 1472, that's right. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And then Luke 1721, who's got that? Is that you, Anne? Thank you. Neither shall they say, 
lo, here, or lo, there, or behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm -hmm. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And then 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our war warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then Ephesians 6.12, please. Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think of that in regards to the kingdom of God? In regards to the kingdom of God, what do you guys think of those verses? You see how the, the spirit is the point through all of that? So Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God in John 3 when speaking with Nicodemus, who is the ruler of the Jews. And I'll go ahead and read that. So John 3, verses 3 to 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that, was, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So the phrase kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times and only in the book of Matthew, whereas the phrase kingdom of God occurs 69 times and is found in Matthew through John. So the books Matthew through John the book of Acts, the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians. Just a little side note on the, the phrasing there. So in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which is our, our list of work of the flesh, Paul was not teaching that a believer in Christ cannot do such things. He was not teaching the lie of lordship salvation, which is the idea that if there is no visible change on the outside of a person, there must be no change on the inside. He was not saying that someone who commits the sin of envy or hatred wasn't really saved to begin with. The phrase, they which, in verse 21, is defined in verse 16. So if we take a look at that. So we'll go to Galatians. Um, yeah, so the phrase they which in verse 21 is actually being defined in verse 16. Do you have that? Yeah. This that? I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right. Ye. Yep. Walk in the spirit. Yep. So this passage. If you don't walk in the spirit, you will. <laughs> right. Yep. This passage is written to saved, born-again believers who can walk in the flesh. No unsaved man can walk in the Spirit. Only those that live in the Spirit can walk in the Spirit. And if you look at Galatians 
is where we're at. We'll see that okay. 525 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So Paul's admonition of the church in Galatia is against believers walking after the lust of the flesh because rewards are lost from the believer's inheritance. So I've got some verses that are references to rewards and not salvation. And um, I'll just go ahead and read these through these since we're running a little short on time here. Uh, you might want to write these down. Uh, Romans 8 verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 2 Timothy 2 verses 11 to 13 say, say uh, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Colossians 3, verses 23 to 24 says, And whatsoever ye do, ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Ephesians 5, 5 says, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Acts 20, verse 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And now we get to the blessing of the fruit of the Spirit. So this is Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. Would someone like to read that for us? It's a much more friendly list. <laughs> Very. Anybody like to take that? But the fruit of Thank the you. Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Yeah. What do you guys think of that list? And, and that verse, the, the, the wording in that. Anything jump out? Well, I, I think if someone's saved, then their their salvation is secure. They've got a place in heaven, and that's wonderful. Uh, but God loves us so much, he gives us free will, and we, and we can choose to sin. And when we sin, we're separating ourselves from him. And, and Christ taught us to pray that, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, so that this, this godly kingdom is something we're meant to be working toward and working in and, and bringing about. Uh, but the minute we choose to step out of that godly kingdom, by default, we return to the kingdom of the prince of the power of the air, automatically. And that's something we, we chose to do. And it's not God's will that we do that, but he allows us to do that. And so I, I think that what you could, you could tell if you're living for the Lord and walking for Christ, because these are the things that you experience. And there is no long peace down in the other kingdom. There's a, there's a quick temporary peace. There's a piece of drunkenness or a piece of something that you regret later on, but not the real piece. Is that what they mean by long-suffering? Because when you do that, you're going to suffer? Long-suffering is is patience, and there's there's some more traits to it. 
but um, yeah, it's there's there's a lot to that. Um, and thankfully, you know, I've heard it said many times, God is very long suffering with us. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and I say this quite often: it's a good thing I'm not in charge, because I, you know, it would be very difficult with the things that I see sometimes. I just would, and we'll leave it at that. Um, singular has many aspects. That's Fruit right. Singular. That's These correct. Are all tied together. Mm-hmm. One. Under one umbrella, right? The that's true. The spirit encompasses all of that, which I mm-hmm. think implies that if you have the fruit of the spirit, then you're either selecting, deciding to negate some of those things, some of those aspects, because you're supposed to have all of them. But you are. You can choose not to use them. Correct. <laughs> You right. can choose not to use forbearance or long-suffering. Well, I could testify that I'm very long-suffering compared to what I was when I was 18. Yeah. I got no, and I, I could bring in a whole bunch of people in here to back up that well, statement. I not? promise that. <laughs> you know, um, and I don't mean that in a braggadocious way, but it's just it's it's the work that God has done in me. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's my resting in Him daily knowing that he's in charge and I don't have to worry about these things and you know I'm being secure in that all beautiful words are descriptive who? Christ. Jesus Christ Christ yep absolutely of the very nature absolutely. of who he is yep and for sure we gotta keep our eyes on him right yep. <laughs> it's not the nature it's the nature of his love mm-hmm. that has That's all right. these aspects yeah yep the one that jumped out on for me was against such there is no law. Mm-hmm. That can bring a charge. I mean, there might be laws, but not legally. Well, there's no limit. Yeah. There's no law. There's nothing that's going to say, you know, you can only you have so much. much. You got too much. Let me give it to over here. It, it's unlimited. It's unboundless, right? I mean, there's, there's, it's, did I say unlimitedless? It's boundless. It's limitless. I'm making up words here. Y'all know what I mean. There's no borders. How about that? You know what I mean? It just runs forever. Um, and that's that's the freedom that we get. And you know, a lot of the world looks at that and goes, "How is that freedom? You gotta, you know, you gotta do these to do this. We don't do what we do because we have to do them. We do them because we love Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. The laws are written for what we shouldn't do. Yeah. Now and and we're as I explained earlier, we're when you're under the law, that means the law is over you. When you when you are um, having the fruit of the spirit, as far as who you are and what you're doing, you're over the law. So the law is now under you. It's a different plane, right? It's a different plane if you think about it that way. Um, and that helped me with with that a little bit. But I just, when I was working through the study, I thought, you know, there's, I really like the idea of against such there is no law. It's unlimited, you know. Um, so as Christians, we should live our lives in a way, or I should say our lives should exemplify these character traits. And there's a total of nine. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. If there is no fruit, then there is something wrong. It's like a contradiction in life. We drive on parkways and park on driveways. There is no butter and buttermilk. There's no ham and hamburger. 
There's no egg and eggplant, and there's no apple and pineapple. Quicksand works very slow, and boxing rings are square. <laughs> right? But the Christian life should not be a contradiction. When someone sees us or interacts with us, they should not see a contradiction to these traits. But Paul is pointing out in these passages that there are two types of Christians, the carnal and spiritual, we talked about earlier. So let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Somebody would like to grab that. Yes, sir. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Oh, hang on a second. I think I have a wrong verse here. I'm sorry. That's the wrong verse. Let me see. Um, I need to find the verse on this. Let me read you the verse. I've got the wrong uh, chapter and verse here. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And I'll get a reference for you guys on that. Um, I can look that up. Um, so give me a second here. That's 3 1, 1 Corinthians 3 1. Oh, okay. 3 1. What did I say? 1 3 to begin with? Oh, 13 1. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 3 1. My note is right. I said it wrong. I'm sorry. So 1 Corinthians 3 1, not 13 1. I'm sorry. So again, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as, as, un, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So a carnal Christian moves, acts, and is motivated, motivated by the works of the flesh. And we see that in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. These are the works that we should avoid. A spiritual Christian crucifies the desires of his flesh and is led by the Spirit of God. So just like a bowl of wax fruit on a kitchen table, how many of you saw those? My grandparents had them. I thought they were real when I was a kid until I bit into one, and I was like, that's terrible. Um, just like that bowl of fruit is imitating real fruit and has no real benefit, people will often imitate spiritualness, and we are to guard against this in our lives. The purpose of the fruit of the Spirit is for the benefit of others. The fruit of the Spirit is produced in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians and Ephesians, we see that we are to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and to be filled in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not produced by our flesh. It is produced by the Holy Spirit. As believers, we must crucify our flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we look at verse 24 in Galatians chapter 5, it says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Which is right in the same passage that we're working through this evening. So we've got a few minutes left. Um, do you have a note on this? It's 
somewhat lengthy, so maybe we should pause just for a minute and see if anybody has any comments here. Yes, sir. Well, I, I really like that actually your the, your mistake of 13.1 also ties right in. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Yep. Yeah, we get there a little bit later, but you're right. That's It ties directly in with everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any other comments? Well, the, the, yes, ma'am. The sins of um, the, the list of things that you're not supposed to do. The works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. That's plural because they all have different punishments. They all have different. They don't, they don't come from one person, the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular because it's just one influence. Yep. And it has all these different aspects. That's right. Yeah. And they all turn out to be benefit as love for God and love for one another. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Same, you know, same, same end point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you plant an acorn seed... You expect to get a tree that produces acorns, not lemons, right? I mean, that's what it should produce. And we should be, as you know, as the seed has been planted in us, we should be producing the fruit that reflects Jesus Christ in our life. That's completely logical um, in that respect. And I, and I love how the Bible uses... You know, pruning and different things of that nature. I, I do gardening. It's not a big garden, but still, if you've ever had a garden of any kind, it takes work. It doesn't matter how big it is. Obviously, the bigger the garden, usually the more the work, but nonetheless, you know, the wheat and the tares and, you know, that kind of a, these different analogies of pruning and all these things that need to happen in order to bring forth things, it's really important. And we're going to read some scripture that talks about that as well um, as we get a little bit further into things. But I think that that's. That's a really important thing to keep in mind, that we should bear fruit after the seed that is planted in us and not the world. Um, So, all right. So I've got time by my watch a little shy there. Should we stop here this evening? You guys want to stop here? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, we, we did pretty good. We didn't get as far as I'd hoped, but that's okay. I think it's better to, you know, cover ground well rather than just cover ground. So, um, do, will you close this out in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing up the dilemma that we are faced with, our temptations. Lord, we just ask for your guidance and direction. We thank you for the word and we thank you for the suggestions that have been put forth today on how we can get back into the word versus being tempted by the works of the flesh. We just thank you for this. May we go out and be true disciples in your sight during this week and again we thank you for your word and for Brent facilitating this study. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you all.